Well, hello and good afternoon. Uh, welcome again today to our special event. Uh, my name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. Uh, we started the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint to really raise awareness about the issue of restraint and seclusion that are used in schools across the nation and really across the world. Uh, we're focused on kind of informing people and ultimately changing, uh, changing laws and policies to uh, protect children. Uh, so we are all, all, always hoping to uh, influence a change to reduce and eliminate the practices of restraint and seclusion and make schools safer for students, teachers, and staff. So I'm very, very excited today. We have another um, amazing guest today with us. We have Sam Maloney, who's going to be joining us for a special interview, and we'll be introducing Sam here in just a moment. I do want to let you know, as we're getting started, that we will be uh, taking questions with Sam uh, during the event. Uh, so if you have questions, feel free to uh, share those during today's interview. Uh, also to let you know, this is being recorded. So this will be available after the live broadcast on Facebook, YouTube, as well as available as an audio podcast that can be downloaded on uh, iTunes or Spotify and others. So before we get started with Sam, I want to take a moment to introduce you to a member of our team today, uh, Jennifer Litton-Tid. Jennifer is a wife and mother of four wonderful sons, uh, two of whom are autistic. She's a 30-year political activist who makes the world more beautiful for more people. She's lobbied on state and the federal level, uh, organized rallies and civil disobedience, uh, committed to societal change and still believes that we live in a system where people have great power. Uh, Jennifer is our Director of Advocacy here at the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere, you no doubt uh, have seen many of Jennifer's uh, creations to help share our, our message. She is our, our chief um, meme maker as well and, <laughs> and does a lot to contribute to what we're doing here to, to try to uh, improve things related to the use of restraint seclusion. So Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. Thank so you. I'm it's here. exciting to have you. You know, so you know, we've we've been doing this with uh, several of the members of our team, and this is the first one that that you're on, and we're really excited to have you here today. Um, mm -hmm. So you and I have had a chance to talk a little bit about Sam, and we had a chance to uh, talk to him before this started. And uh, I'm going to bring Sam up on the screen with us, and wondered if you would do us the honor of introducing Sam to our guest. I am glad to. I'm really excited about this. Um, Sam Maloney is a 20-year-old photographer from Rochester, New York. Sam started his photography journey at 10 years old. Um, he's also a restraint and seclusion survivor from the ages of 5 to 14 years old. Sam is continuing his photography in um, education through his person-centered plan through New York State. Sam is also working to support autism acceptance. Autism on US routes 11 and 20 is a journey to inspire others to see the best in themselves. Sam will be traveling the country to spread his campaign to change autism awareness to autism, autism acceptance. acceptance. Yep. And my favorite thing I just read on his page other than the marvelous um, artwork, the photography that he did um, was a quote, if you can't stop thinking about it, don't stop working on it. And I just, I'm really excited to be here with Sam. Absolutely. Sam, welcome. We're, we're really excited to have you here with us today and appreciate you, Thank you very much. taking the time to talk to us. Uh, of course, you and I have had a chance to to talk on a couple occasions now prior to this interview. And, and again, really appreciate your willingness to share your story. 
Uh, our stories are so important in influencing change. When when people hear the story from someone like you that has been through the experiences that you've had uh, mm-hmm. and and really want to impact positive change, it's really inspiring. So really appreciate you you here to share your story, but also recognize that you know you have been through significant trauma in your schooling and yep. uh, through the use of restraint seclusion. And I just want to remind you that at any point you need a break. Or if there's any question that it all concerns you, mm-hmm. uh, you are free to take a break whenever you are a very special guest for the day. Um, so just keep that in mind as we're, we're moving forward. And I want to let people in the audience know also hearing some of these stories can be very triggering as well. Um, so just keep that in mind as, as we're going through the interview today. So with that, we will go ahead and begin with questions. And I think what we'll do, Jennifer, is I'll let you have the first uh, first question here if you'd like, and then I will take the next one. Okay. Um, Sam, your experience being restrained and secluded started when you were very young. What can you tell us about your earlier experiences at school and how old were you when you were first restrained or secluded? Well, I was when I was first restrained or and secluded when I was five to seven years old, um, somewhere around there. Um, but it was a very, 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 very traumatizing experience. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, they would use prone uh, restraints where you have your hand by- behind your back and like a uh, police officer would uh, do uh, to do so, basically, like a police officer or um, having y- your arm pulled back like you're feeling like uh, your arm is getting pulled out of it out of its socket, basically. So, and it was, it was very, 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 very traumatizing for anyone, honestly. And it's it's not a good experience at all. I imagine not. I imagine not. And what about seclusion? Were you ever secluded? Yes, I was. I was uh thrown into closets, head, uh, legs, and arms being held and being thrown into a closet basically and almost hit my head and you know like you know and um it was i i cannot lie about this stuff you know it's it's very very surreal but it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound real but it actually does happen in our school systems basically We believe. Yeah. We... yeah, absolutely. You, you know, Sam, I mean, to that point, the, the first time I heard the words restraint and seclusion in the context of talking about a school, I almost couldn't believe it just from the sense of I could not imagine these things happening in a school. You mm-hmm. just don't think that the kids would be physically restrained. I mean, again, you mentioned earlier, but the, the kinds of things that are sometimes happening are things that you you imagine happening during an arrest or during some kind of uh, law yeah. enforcement. You don't imagine that kids, I mean, often, I mean, you know, as young as you know, five, six, seven years old yeah. um, are, are having this happen to them. So mm-hmm. it, it really is. I mean, it really is unbelievable, not, but not in a way that you know, not believing what people are saying, but just in a way that can you, I mean, it's hard to imagine when you, when you first hear about this and which is of course why, you know, as an organization and, and along with you, you know, um, we want to do what we can to change this because absolutely we can do better. Um, Your mother had mentioned to me when we talked that um, she actually remembers seeing you be being restrained in a prone restraint when you were about seven years old. Yes. Uh, she said that she she walked in and there were three people that were on top of you and they had your hands behind your back. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm sure that that had to be, 
you know, very, very difficult, not only while it was happening, but do you recall kind of how that affected? I mean, you and your mother, I mean, that had to be very difficult for you both. Um, yes. Do you remember anything about the impact that that had on you? Well, the impact on me was I was very, very uh, dysregulated and everything, and I couldn't control my anger, basically. Mm-hmm. And it impacted my family. It impacted, you know, basically my family, you know, the people around me that, you know, if I'm in public, I can't control my anger. And, you know, it's it's upsetting, basically. And, uh, you know, I, over time, I Does had to learn. Does it help when you're in that situation and kind of you haven't, put their hands on you or does it make it harder to regain control? Well, putting my, if you put my hands on me, if you put my hand, hands on me, I'm going to get very, very upset. Right, basically, right, right. Not with a, you know, a police officer, but a teacher, a yeah. teacher, a, a teacher, basically that's unacceptable. I can understand right. if it was a police officer and they're trying to protect themselves, but if it, but if it's a, uh, a teacher, that's very, very wrong. Yeah, like that's, that's unacceptable. Right. And that's that's what we found. I mean, you know, you mentioned that that you were upset or angry. And, you know, I mean, very often, you know, when, when I hear the stories about kids that have been restrained and secluded, um, you know, why are they upset or angry? What what need do they have that's not being appropriately right. met? And, 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 you know, the moment you lay hands on a kid to restrain or seclude them, you're not making things calmer. You're not. You're making to... more things intense. That's right. Basically. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of our, you know, one of our viewers just mentioned, and this is exactly it. You know, you're, you're, you're kicking in that fight or flight response. And that is something that's built into our, our, our brains, you know, yeah, it's we, a, we it's are a defense mechanism. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did anyone it, ever ask you why you were angry? Um, that's a really, really hard question. No one really asked why I was angry at all. Like they, they would just put my hands on me and I would just freak out basically. And like, it's, it's a, it's a defense mechanism. I can't do nothing about it because if you put my hand, if you put your hands on me, I'm going to react in one, in one way or another. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, too often, unfortunately, we find that that people aren't concerned why things are happening. They're more concerned with yeah. modifying the behavior than kind of understanding and, and, and helping understanding people and through. Accepting, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So let me ask you a question. Why do you think restraint and seclusion, I mean, are used in schools? <sighs> to keep people safe, but it's obviously not keep, it's obviously not keeping people safe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's meant for that purpose basically. So and, do you have an idea of, I mean, yeah, cause I agree with you. I mean, all, all the, all the data that we've looked at kind of shows that, that the moment you lay hands on a child, you're escalating the situation. You're increasing the chance that not only might the child get injured or, or yeah. traumatized, but also the, the teacher and the staff might get injured or, or, or traumatized. Yeah. So it, it's counter to what it's being used for. I mean, what do you think that that people should be doing instead of restraint and seclusion? Or how could they reduce these things to, to make kids actually truly safer? Find find creative ways uh, to be safer and actually give them what they need, basically, instead of putting your hands on them and ex- escalating the, you know, the situation, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely goes to that, that thought of, you know, appropriately accommodating a child. Yeah. You know, a child that's being restrained or secluded is a child that mm-hmm. has a need that's not being appropriately met or is trying to communicate something. Um, and unfortunately, the response is one that that then makes things worse. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we found, and, and I, I think you probably can um, relate to as well, is that once these things start being used, I mean, you know, once you start it being restrained or secluded, I'm imagining that you felt really not very safe in that classroom because you never, you didn't know when something you might do might trigger somebody to put their hands on you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would basically just, you know, the, to defend against that. I would, I mean, this is, I have a poor, poor sleep schedule because of, because of this, uh, I would always lay down on the desk and actually sleep throughout the whole day because I was afraid that I was going to get restrained basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, go ahead, go Jennifer. Ahead. Um, do you think that it's, I, I was also restrained and secluded as a child and it, it is striking to me every single person with whom I speak who was restrained and secluded. The question why is never asked do you think that beyond accommodations, just talking to you, if, if people had just talked to you and yeah. asked you what was wrong, that that would have changed? I would, it would have changed the whole thing, basically. <laughs> it would have changed the whole perspective, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we had a comment here from from Mary, and, and she just said they don't they don't try to figure out why the sensory overload is, uh, has occurred. They just instantly put you in, in the prone position. And of course, you know, um, there's a lot of tactics they may go to, but, but very often, uh, very often, you know, they're not trying to figure out what's going on or, or what, what does Sam need to be successful? Um, you know, and unfortunately that increases the likelihood of these kinds of things happening. Or what does Sam need to feel like a human being? Right. Exactly. Right. Are being, you know, his, whose personhood is, is being respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been a number of years since this happened to you. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, some of your experiences here. But, you know, um, thinking back on, on, on some of the staff that were, were doing these things to you, um, you know, what, what advice would you give to them now? Or, or what would you tell them to, to try to convince them that they shouldn't be doing these kinds of things that they're, they're you know, really injuring not just physically um but the traumatizing kids right right um i would say to them just find creative ways i i I wouldn't really forgive them what they did to me but i would say find creative ways and actually realize you give what these kids what they need accommodations whatever they need and support them Basically, you know, you, you want to, is that the main, te- if I'm, if I'm correct, if you want them to be successful in life and um, give them what they need and they would actually move on in life, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it, it's very, very sad to um, say that most kids with disabilities don't move on in their life until they're like 14, 15, 16, 17, basically, when they should be moving on in life when they're much younger, basically. So, and 
uh, I didn't move on until I was a- after I got out of the school in uh, in 2014. Um, I didn't move on until I, I was 18, basically. And, you know, I had to accept and actually advocate for myself. And my mom taught me that to actually advocate for myself and just, you know, advocate. Yeah, <laughs> Which is, it- it's very important. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to your mom and I know she's, she's been an amazing advocate for you as well. Of course, yes. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, you're, you're a lot really, of other people too. Yeah. Yeah. That that's fantastic. It, you know, and, and it's critical and, you know, I mean, unfortunately sometimes these things happen and, and parents aren't even aware. I mean, there are kids yep. that end up getting restrained and secluded and they're not, you know, the schools aren't informing parents and, you know, of course, you know, the child's going to be having a really difficult time and you were, they're probably seeing things okay. like that from home. Can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I would pay attention to basically pay attention, very, very close attention if you're sending a kid to a school. And if you notice that some something's wrong, ask. It, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And yeah. and if they don't tell you stuff, if if they don't tell you what they what you need to know what's going on in that school. So obviously something's wrong with your with the school basically and then you know my my mom didn't know that basically now she knows mm-hmm. not now she knows mm-hmm. to do that basically um which i'm not in school but i'm homeschooled still i'm gonna be homeschooled until i'm 21 because of the school system and everything which i miss to be fair i missed six years of school but you know it homeschooling actually has allowed me to be more creative with myself basically and with my photography career so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a really important point um and and something we've tried to make people aware of as well because you know there are times where a child's being restrained or secluded at school and, and there are actually cases where the child assumes that their parents know they assume that mm-hmm. that their parents are aware and and you know this can be really tough on a family but there's also instances where you know a child assu- a child assumes they're in trouble and it it affects their own self-worth they don't yeah. want to come home and say guess what mom i was thrown in the yeah. seclusion room today um so sometimes parents are are absolutely unaware and yeah. you know it's really hard on the families exactly now when you when you were in this experience were you seeing other children at the school also being restrained and secluded Every single day, mm. every, every single day, a kid after another, basically, and it was very, it was very, very traumatizing for me because, you know, I would, I couldn't do nothing, you know, I couldn't step in and actually stop the teacher and everything, you know, because mm-hmm. I was very, I, I couldn't do anything, which was very traumatizing, basically, mm-hmm. I would just walk pop past them and say nothing. Can I, I, I have a question for you with with many of the states now responding to press and lawsuits and everything else, they're trying to regulate restraint and seclusion mm-hmm. to, you know, they say, Oh, you can only have this much time in a seclusion cell. I've been restrained and secluded. So I'm asking this question almost rhetorically, but mm-hmm. when you have are being secluded, when you're in a restraint and seclusion cycle in your life is what I call it because it's a daily occurrence. Um, is are you only thinking about seclusion while you're being secluded, or are you thinking about it all day long? You're thinking all day long. 
you're worried before you go to sleep. <laughs> all day long, even every single night. Yeah. I would say, you know, am I gonna, you know, be in trouble again? Am I gonna get restrained again? I didn't really realize that I was thinking it, but like I was, you know, I I, I even told the bus drivers, I was like, guys, I don't wanna go. You know, mm-hmm. I don't wanna go to school. And uh, I even told my mom that she was like, You have to. I'm like did you ever feel physically ill, like on the bus on the way to school, or physically ill? What like- it, it, it would, I, I always, ha- I would have a upset stomach. I wouldn't pretend, basically. But mm-hmm. w- one day I noticed that, like, I was very, I was, like, I, I would get an upset stomach because you know that feeling in your stomach, you know something's gonna happen. Basically, your gut feeling, you know. Your gut so feeling limiting is- the time someone's in a seclusion room <laughs> for the word doesn't make it less traumatic is kind of yeah no because they're they're grabbing you and throwing you in there mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. which yeah. is very very wrong mm-hmm. uh, i want to share just a quick uh comment that we had uh i think this is my friend gail from australia if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. uh she said what a profound statement sam uh parents should listen to their kids about what's going on and and it's it's not exactly. even just listening it's it's making sure that you're asking or if you're seeing behaviors or school of you know some a kid not wanting to go to school that used to love school um it's really being um tuned in right exactly yes yeah yeah so my understanding is that, you know, you were you started off in a public school and that when you were seven years old, uh, the principal kicked you out of that school and that you moved to a private school. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? And, and you know, when you went to the private school, was this was this one that was uh, better, you know, better set up to accommodate you or. So what happened was my uh, my old principal went, uh, got pregnant basically she had a kid and she got pregnant had a kid and she couldn't do her job anymore then the new uh the new principal came in and uh the new principal came in and said i don't want to support you anymore you're out mm-hmm. so so you moved into a, a private placement yep. and and um was that I mean, was that because uh, yeah, my, my recollection is you, you went to two different private schools, right? Yes, okay, I have. Okay, I've okay. been to a bunch of schools. Okay. Which, okay. Yeah. So. Um, and, and how was that experience? Was was it, I mean, what was different about that? And were they still using a lot of restraint and seclusion in those placements? A lot of restraint and seclusion every single school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Every single school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, do you mind sharing the state that you're in? Oh, New York. Okay. Okay. Well, somebody asked what state you were in. Yeah. Um, so what, what about, you know, I know when you and I talk, you, t- you talked to me a little bit about um, one of the schools that you went to with the private schools. Um, and you, you talked about, um, you know, kind of what they were doing for you in terms of education. What, what was the education like at that private school that you had talked to me about? You, you kind of men- made the mention that they weren't really doing much to, to teach you. Can you tell me about that a little bit more? Honestly, they wouldn't do anything and they would force me to write, which didn't work at all. Um, which it, I would just get angry and that was a trigger for me. And then they would go ahead and restrain me and even basically just, uh, I had this one teacher, uh, grab me by my shirt and, uh, 
and slam me against the lockers, basically. Mm. Mm. Uh, it had to be really difficult. You know, yeah. you, you, you also, you know, kind of mentioned, you know, one of the things that, of course, happened is once they started restraining and secluding you, um, as you were probably there fearful of being restrained and secluded, you were on edge. Uh, they were ready to restrain yeah. and seclude you. It just created this yep. cycle that continued. Yep. And, and you weren't getting a lot of positive support. There weren't people there making relationships with you and they're in your corner. And I remember you you telling me that um, at one school that you went to that you actually had a number of people kind of tell you that you were going to end up in jail. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you remember that? Do you remember that kind of thing happening? So they would just tell me like put their hands on me and said if you keep this up you're going to jail basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. um so at some point your story uh, made the front page of a of a, a newspaper there can you can you tell me about that story and and did that lead to any change well the newspaper i think they contacted us uh, my mom can correct you uh, correct us what she isn't here right now but I think they contacted us to tell my story and the answer to your question, no, it didn't lead to any change or just change in general, basically. So, so they became aware because of your, the, the advocacy work your mother was doing. Is that what it yeah. happened? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and they shared what was happening about, yep. you know, to you and, and- no one listened basically. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Jennifer, you want to, you want to take a question? Let's see. Uh, I, it's, it's my understanding that you have a therapist that you really like now. Can you tell us about that? And was mm-hmm. this not always the case? Was there a time when you had mental health experts that did not believe you? Of course. I I went through, I think, five or six therapists, seven therapists, where none of them really i didn't really feel that they really believe me uh didn't really believe me they were very sarcastic and um which that doesn't work with anyone if you're being sarcastic you could tell when they're being sarcastic basically and then okay i'm done and then i move on to a next therapist but uh my therapist uh, right now, she's very, very respectful. She's she's not sarcastic. She believes me, and she's very, very supportive. She's like a mother, basically, because oh. she has kids that go to school right now, and she understands that kind of stuff, basically. And she's very, very professional with her job. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when a lot of victims of all kinds of violence uh, aren't believed. Um, that's a really common experience. How did yeah. how did you feel when you weren't believed? And then how did you feel once the first time someone believed you? Um. So, I basically just didn't really. Once I didn't, when they didn't believe me, basically, I I I would just say that like, I'm done. I, 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 you know, I'm done with you. I'm leaving. I told my mom, let's go. Let's get out of here. I'm done. And I would go through multiple therapists at a time, basically. And I, I'm very, very glad that I found a therapist that 
I found right now that I can actually work with where she can actually believe me and is very supportive, like I said. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, being believed is a big, it's the it's a big breakthrough for anyone who's mm-hmm. suffered uh, any kind of violence. And I, yep. I consider what you've gone through um, violence, definitely. So I'm glad that you're believed now. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it just really emphasizes that that importance of relationship. That somebody that's actually willing to spend the time with you, get to know you, develop a relationship with you, and connect with you. And, and you can't, you can't, you can't connect with people and form relationships with people when you're physically restraining or secluding them, or when you're telling them you don't believe them. I mean, that's not not, not a way you right. can build a, a meaningful relationship by any means, right? So I know from talking to you that, that you're really interested in helping change things related to the use of restraint seclusion. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're 20 years old now. You, you went through this, you know, when you were much younger as a child. But, you know, the, the impact of this on your life has been tremendous. Um, mm-hmm. tell, me, tell me more about, you know, your interest in influencing change related to this. What is it you want to do and what's the change that you want to see happen? Well, the change I want to... S- I want to see happen is not the use of uh, rest- uh, the use of, of restraint and seclusion and the seclusion being uh, out of the question, basically. Um, and I think that's very, very important. And what I'm going to be doing, hopefully, I'm hopeful, is going to uh, going to the, uh, what is it called? Uh, State. State house or not state house uh, in Washington, basically, or yeah. uh, or if I wanted to go to uh, uh go to the state house in Albany and tell my story, basically, and have other people there, like advocates that, uh, like my friend Vic, um, he he's been part of my life for ever since ever since I was a child, basically, mm-hmm. and um. It, it, I think it's I think it's very very important to have advocates and everything. He even offered me once I'm ready and once people are ready, he would offer me to get, drive down to Albany and you know tell my story basically with him and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'd love, you know, I, I think you you and I and your mother even talked about this at one point. Um, you know, certainly we hope to see federal legislation yeah. to, to to protect kids uh, from restraint yep. seclusion, especially looking at how this happens disproportionately to kids that have disabilities and minorities. Yeah. We, we've got to do something. The time has never been more right to get this done. Uh, right. I, I'd love to have you at some point uh, down at Capitol Hill and yeah. have people listening to your voice. Uh, I mean, the, the voice of, of, of a young man like yourself that has been through this would be so powerful yeah. uh, and influencing change. Mm-hmm. So uh, know know that when when something is on the horizon that, um, you know, um, we we need to hear you down here, Sam. We need to have people understand what happened to you and that they can do better. So I'm I'm really excited to hear you say that. Thank you. Um, So um, can you tell us, you know, we've talked a little bit about your, um, you know, your efforts in terms of advocacy work. Um, but you you also more broadly are involved in some some really inspirational advocacy efforts yeah. uh, related to autism. Um, and, you know, I know that you have your uh, Autism on U.S. Roots 11 and 20 campaign. Can you talk to uh, you know, everybody that's out there and tell them a little bit about what this campaign is and what you're hoping to accomplish with it? So 
we want to basically change the uh the word awareness to ex- autism awareness to autism acceptance mm-hmm. so what we're going to be doing is you know it's a learning experience for me you know how to drive and you know to travel basically and we're going to be meeting uh f- uh friends family and uh families that have um friends and families that have children or adults or you know any age uh boy or girl um that has autism basically and um we get to talk to them and have dinner with them and you know and get to know them and then we're on our way again to our next destination which is on uh uh, this this is going to be along Route 11 and 20, which starts from the tippy top up from uh, Route 11 starts from the tippy top of New York all the way down to New Orleans, and um, uh, Route 20 is all the way from Boston to Oregon, basically. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. So we're going to be stopping in towns and talking to families and to actually get my name out there and and actually make change basically so that's yeah. great that's great and i know you've been doing a lot of work to prepare for this and yeah and, and raising money can you tell us yep. a little bit about what you've been doing to prepare for this um well i'm learning how to drive right now so it's it's going to be a learning experience i have i have a very very wonderful t- uh, driving teacher and it's through drive on which I fought tooth and nail to get basically. Uh, me and my mom fought to- tooth and nail to get that. Um, and, and you know, it's very, very important to have a car to actually get places and actually meet with people. And, um, uh, and it's a very, very important part of life that you, that I need to learn basically. And, um, yeah. It, it, and basically it's it's just very important so and, and when are you when are you planning I, I know that you had kind of a false start where you'd hope to begin on this journey and and at the last minute there were some <laughs> some issues um, what do you, you, what know, do you pandemic or something yeah, no, yeah, no that doesn't help either so uh, what happened good. what happened was um what happened was we were on our way back from a photo shoot and uh we were on our way back and people were basically passing us uh, on because we were going slow, basically. And my mom decided to speed up that please the uh, the drivers and everything. And um, basically, uh, we hit a deer, basically. And uh, and uh, my my mom, I felt so bad for my mom because she freaking fought so hard just to get this done it was the day before we were supposed to leave basically when we hit a deer Mm. but the the positive part is um this was a couple days after uh the coronavirus hit basically very very hard in new orleans where we're supposed to be basically Mm. like oh uh we probably shouldn't go (laughs) you know (laughs) and uh so I think that was a, a moment of realization where like a gift from God or whatever that like say s- saying like 
no, don't go because you know there's something's gonna happen. You know, this is mm-hmm. it's a it's a miracle moment. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm, so, do you yeah. have a target date now for when you're hoping to to do this again? Um, hopefully by 2022. I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah, that's great. So. That's great. So, I want to hit a couple comments here real quickly. Um, uh, Kaylee said it's great to hear that you finally have someone that believes you. And and thank you. Yeah, that that's great. Absolutely. I have another one here um, from Casey that uh, says I'm hearing respectful. Uh, believes me, supportive, professional. These are the keys for students feeling safe. Uh, of course. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree with that as well. So I, w- I want to hit uh, one more question here about uh, kind of the restraint and seclusion. And, and then I want to transition into talking about your your photography and some yeah. of the great things that you're doing. Um, so, you know, we we no doubt have watching today and, and, and we'll have people watching this in the future who have had families that have been impacted by restraint and seclusion. Yep. Um, what, what would you say to these families, you know, um, you know, as someone who's been through this, what would you tell a family, what would your advice be to a family whose child might be going through this even now? What I would say is think outside the box, which my mom would always say to herself, think outside the box, be creative. And if the child needs something and, you know, actually find supportive people like I did, uh, or my mom did for me find supportive uh, people that are willing to help. Um, and the one of the things that really really helped me was homeschool, basically. And um, if they're going through something, homeschool is a option, basically. And they get the they could go on a college level, which most people don't get to uh, do basically in normal school because I'm on a college level right now and uh, I'm learning very, very, very advanced stuff for with photography mm-hmm. and business mm-hmm. and website, web, like uh, doing SEO stuff with websites and everything mm-hmm. um, for my website. And um, most people don't really get the option to do that in regular school because they don't offer it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, now that said, it's great that that your um, you know your mom was able to do that, and you've been able to do that. And of course, unfortunately, there are some people that would be really tough well, for. Well, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, ha- had you, I mean, think of how to put this. We we homeschooled my son for a couple of years after yeah. his initial instance. But well, he you want he, them to be social too, right? You know? Right, right. But but he eventually wanted to go back to school, and then we had okay. another another negative experience. Right. Um, so you know. Would you have preferred to to be in school if school was not what it was for you? Or did, you know. Um, The one thing that I would, I really wanted to be in school, but they wouldn't allow me to basically to Hmm. be in a regular school setting. A regular classroom wouldn't wouldn't really work, basically. It wouldn't work for me at all because, you know, students can be mean sometimes and, you know, and you know, with being dysregulated before, I think it wouldn't really work for me, basically. And um, I mean, it should it should work for other people. And you obviously want them to be social, you know, but for me, at least it's, I mean, it, it was very, very hard for me to be social with people and actually do stuff. And because I wasn't really accepted 
basically. Right. right. But but back to the advice you gave earlier, you know, this is where we need to, to challenge our school systems to be creative, yeah. like you said, to meet yeah. the needs of, of all students, because, yep. you know, every student should have a right to a free and appropriate public education. But we've, we we can't just have one size fits all. And if it doesn't, well, here's here's choice B. You know, we've got to find ways of working with people that have different needs. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, with, with your experience, I, I don't think they did a very good job of meeting that need that they should have been meeting. And it was right. great that you've been able to with with the homeschool option and with right. your with your mother. But um, yeah, it's it's we need to do it's better. Very, I I understand that like people have, have a very 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 hard time like uh, trying to get that, and you have to fight tooth and nail mm-hmm. just to get that basically. And actually find supports for your child to actually hey, do that. Oops, I think Jennifer had a question, but it looks like she might have frozen on us. <laughs> She's frozen. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll see if she unfreezes here in a second. Am I still there? Am I yeah. there? Yep, you're yep, here. You're here. Okay. Go ahead. Can you think of accommodate? Was it, is there sensory overload issues? Are there accommodations they could have done to make school work for you? Um. Well, it was a very, very sensory overload plus... I didn't really know how to write, basically. I didn't know how to. And they didn't really offer, like, like an example, assisted, uh, assisted technology, basically, for me to actually go to a computer and write stuff out. Like, I think that's very important to have if, uh, you know, the write and uh, read and write is to, you know, have them have assistive technology. So if you'd had sensory accommodations, uh, keyboard, like, like, graphic accommodations, yeah, yeah. You, it probably could have worked for you then. Of course, yeah. It, but it, it's, the, it, it's the fact that you weren't accommodated that made it yeah. not work. Not that, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to share another um, uh, comment here. Oops, that was... Um, I'm sorry, not the one that I had uh, queued up here. Um, you know, this is from Stacy says, the system is set, out, um, set up to push kids out that struggle. Um, and it starts with students that do not uh, easily conform students and adults make them the bad kids. So, you know, I mean, this is something that certainly happens where, you know, the kids that are having a hard time rather than accommodating them and meeting their needs. Um, there are many, there are many that are pushed out. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate for sure. Um, so Jennifer, you want to ask, I want to transition into talking about his photography. You want, you want to, um, talk a little bit about his photography. Well, I went through his page and everybody needs to look at his page because he's extremely talented. And I think I spent, I meant to, oh, I'm going to look at it for 15 minutes to get ready for this interview. And I, I looked at his stuff for three hours. Um, I love really artsy neurodivergent people. Um, so we see you're very talented. How did you get involved in photography, uh, Sam? So when I was 10 years old, I I first uh picked up a camera at uh, at my uh music therapist uh I think it was at Hochstein. Yeah, Hochstein. So I went to Hochstein and I was there for uh, uh a certain amount of years with my teacher Joe Kostecki. And very very great teacher. I was, he was very very kind, respectful and all that stuff. And um so I would always basically pick up my mom's phone and take pictures, even with my iPad. I had an iPad, and it would it would just take. I would 
you know, even take a pitcher's out the car window. It, even in the middle of winter, yeah. I would, I, in the middle of winter, I would, uh, I would scroll, uh, uh, roll down the window and take the pitcher outside the window, basically with the, you know, the snow on the trees or, you know, all that stuff. Uh, so when I first picked up the camera, uh, it was at Hockstein and uh, my mom had the idea, what, why not get a point and shoot? And um, I took my first picture at Hockstein in the music room. I think the picture is still hanging up there. I'm not sure, though. Mm-hmm. But um, so and I took the picture and my uh, mom said, is this good? Or is this just me, or is he actually good at this, basically? And Joe <laughs> Kiseki said, uh, yes, he's actually good at this. He, he might actually have a talent for this, basically. And uh, and the main point was for me to learn how to read, basically. And I would have, I would post pictures on uh uh, on Facebook, on um, uh, Snapshots by Sam Loney, that's where I have all my followers and everything. And people, my mom's friends, we start first started with my mom's friend, and it then it branched out into other people. And it, it was ma- mainly for me to learn how to read, basically. And I didn't, I think I didn't read until I was the age of seven, basically. Maybe. So that that's the main, uh, and I would read the comments, basically. On people, you know, I would, you know, I remember like speaking my first words, basically, which is very, 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 very awesome just to yeah. do, basically. So, yeah. Which is some of the, I'm looking at one, like the bride with the umbrella talking yeah. to the little girl. You get, you have like a, I love that you, you're definitely outside the box. I feel and, like you're. And, and that bride is watching right now, as a matter yep. of fact. So. <laughs> Uh, yep yep um oh yeah there she is yeah and uh as i recall she's in canada um, uh i me and my mom uh went out she asked us to take uh, she's a long long time fan and everything um and we went out we uh went to the border of canada and entered and we didn't have no internet no no whatsoever and we just had a uh i think we had offline map and we couldn't uh, make no wrong turns because we know we're going to get lost, basically. So uh, so we went all the way down to Windsor, Canada, which was absolutely beautiful, basically. I mean, uh, it was uh, right across from uh, Detroit, basically. And um, it was... And the family was great. Chantel's family was awesome. The accommodation was just absolutely amazing and she's just an amazing person overall so mm-hmm. so i i understand you, you are uh you are doing work for hire for photography yes I am. Um, and of course you have your your facebook page it looks like yep. you're, you're on instagram as well and some other platforms so if people are interested in, in learning more about you maybe uh whether whether it be sharing you know sharing your experience or yep. or uh hiring you for photography work uh you're out there and trying to make this into a career right yes I yeah. am. 
That's great. That's great. So I've had up while we've been talking, I've had up some some of your portfolio and been kind of sharing some of those uh, as we've been been talking to you about this. Your photography is great. Uh, I think you and I talked at one point, you know, I share a passion with you for photography, uh, although you're a Canon guy and I'm an icon guy, you know, it's <laughs> photography, that. right? That's right. That's nothing, right. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so tell us, you know, um, I understand that you're going to be continuing your education in photography and this person centered plan. Can you tell yep. us more about this plan? So, uh, obviously my mom fought tooth and nail to just to get this plan. And, uh, what it does is have a budget and you have a set uh, amount of money to actually pay people to actually, uh, teach, you know, your, uh, whatever. And like website, uh, what I'm doing right now is a uh, website SEO to get more people on my website. Um, uh, I'm doing uh, uh, photography. Uh, 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 my uh, my photography teacher and my business teacher and um, just absolutely amazing people. Um, can I say their names? Is that fine? Sure. Uh, Kyle Hoffis, um, uh, Asa, and um, uh, uh, Sean. Uh, very, very, very amazing people, and I'm very grateful to have them. So that's great. And that's it, fantastic. It, they're very talented people. That, yeah, uh, and well, they're lucky down to be people. working with you, though, yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talented as as are you. And, and just to know, it looks like Gail is trying to get us all to Australia. So she, she says, <laughs> I "Come to Australia, Sam. I will use me? you for my wedding work. You're unreal." Um, my so, uh, my sister actually wants to go to Australia, so someday, yes. Yeah, there you go. There, there might be an opportunity someday for you there. Um, so, w- what other future plans do you have? I mean, in terms of aside from photography, what other, you know, what other hopes, dreams, uh, aspirations do you have? Well, I, I really want to purchase my first car, mm-hmm. which is going to be uh, a very, very uh, interesting, um, and I want to be able to own a house and um what after a car basically and actually you know pay my mortgage and you know actually be able to uh live in the world basically and um manage a business which i'm going to be i'm business managing right now i'm learning how to do that and you know that's 24 7 mm-hmm. basically you're doing that 24 7 which can be very stressful at times but i have supports that are willing to support me and everything. I, and I can ask a question, uh, you know, any time of the day, basically. So, so what kind of car do you want? Do you have something already in mind? Um, so a car my I'm just going to go with a junker basically right now. And you know, which is really uh, probably like a Honda civic or something, you know, start out with a junker or something or, uh, and then I want to, once my insurance goes down and when I turn, because I think it's like 25, they, when your insurance mm-hmm. goes down, mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to get a sports car, a four, a four door, uh, uh, sedan thing, <laughs> muscle yeah. car, basically. So that's hopefully. great. That's great. Well, I, I knew there was something aspirational behind the, uh, or, the, uh, <laughs> or a, uh, a Japanese car, which I want to get imported someday. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, your, your story, um, you know, your story, you, you were in a system that was not supporting you, not helping you, that was yeah. setting you up to, to fail. And you had people telling you that you, you're you going to end up in prison. And, you know, because you've had a strong support system, you know, you, your your mother has been a tremendous 
you know, support in your life. And I know you have a therapist now that is, you know, you're heading on this path, Sam. It's really great to see you heading down. Um, But I'm so sorry to know about all the adversity you've had and faced. Um, But Mm -hmm. so glad to hear you coming out with your voice. Uh, because your voice is really important to to helping people influence change. So yep. uh, I want to I ask anybody in, in the audience that's watching us, I want to give you an opportunity if you have any questions or comments for Sam uh, to put those in the comments now. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to tell you, Sam, you are you're an inspiration. I love your your photography. Thank you. Uh, love all the things you're doing. Um, Jennifer, do you have any any other questions before we see if we have any questions in our um, audience here? I, I don't know if I have questions. Let me think if it turns into a question. I just, um, in the last 24 hours of my Sam, Re- Sam Maloney research and then in speaking with you and everything else, it just occurs to me that someone with so much talent, so you're so positive. I, what's, what was our saying again? That I'm, that's, it's going to be a meme. If you can't think <laughs> about it, don't stop working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like we fro- we froze here again, Jen. So I'm going to talk for a second while you unfreeze. Uh, we had a comment here from Stacy, and Stacy said, Sam, you may have struggled in school, but you're way ahead of most as you are entering the young adult world. Yes, amazing. Yep, amazing. <laughs> you, you're doing great stuff. Uh, I want to bring up uh, something here also from uh, our, our friend and colleague, Beth. Uh, you know, and she responded to Stacey and said that she's more encouraged than she's ever been about the possibility of change, both from a readiness and especially from how all of us parents are finding each other and can make ourselves heard and not ignored. And it's not just, you know, it's not just oh, us as parents finding each other, but it's connecting with with people like you, self-advocates, yep. others that, Everyone. you know, if we can come together and we can be a voice, you know, we can make change. And, you know, yep. Sam, I'd love to see you sitting up at Capitol Hill and sharing your story and and having people you know, being heard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I, just, I just wanted to say that I just I think of I wonder how much talent is locked up in those rooms, you know, what, how much, how much beauty, how much brilliance. And I'm so happy that you didn't let it burn your light out that oh, you, yeah, of course. you're an amazing person. I'm glad it didn't either. I, feel privileged. I got emotional at first. Cause that's what I, when you first started talking, cause that's what I was thinking about. And I, I just, I'm grateful that you, that you, that you're just so amazing and you didn't let it, that didn't let you, you didn't let it extinguish your light. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, your, your story, your story has a, has a, uh, a path right now that it's really, really positive. And, and unfortunately, Jennifer, as you and I both know, we've looked at a lot of the data out there about the school to prison pipeline and about, you know, uh, yeah. our prisons being full of neurodivergent kids that haven't yep. had the appropriate supports, which is why it's really important for all of us to, to get together and, and make sure that we make change. Um, really thrilled to see, you know, Sam um, successful, but it breaks my heart and probably everyone else's to know that there are many lives that don't go where they should. Um, and much of this starts with what's happening in our schools. Yep. Yeah. Um, got a couple other things to, to bring up here and share uh, this from uh, another friend, uh, Alex uh, in Virginia. Uh, and he had a comment um, is I completely understand what you went through. I was emotionally secluded and restrained from just about everything in my school days. So I've been working with legislators and, and uh, knowing Alex, uh, I think I was introduced uh, to Alex by you, Jennifer. Uh, he's somebody that's actually working with lawmakers to make a difference in his home state of Virginia. He was actually on the podcast, right? Was he? 
Uh, this is Alex. actually oh, yeah. so it's a different, different, right? Di different Alex. Okay. Um, is another autistic. Well, I'm self glad you're doing that, Alex. It's, that's a very, very important step that you're ta taking right now. So I'm very, very proud of you and keep what, keep up what you're, what you're doing and everything. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Just do it. Uh, yeah. He had actually met with uh, some lawmakers recently with Jennifer yep. and a couple of other members of the team. So yep. he's doing, doing great stuff. Awesome. Um, let's see. Okay. Here, here's a good one from Amanda. And she just asked if you have any other tips for parents. Um, honestly, just go by, just be creative and think outside the box. That's all I have. And actually have a uh, fight for your kids and stay strong. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. And you made a great point earlier when we were talking about um, listening to your kids and like looking for yeah. the warning signs. Can, can you make the warning say a little, signs? Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, you think that sometimes with the meltdowns, were you not real? Because you described it as angry. Yeah. But do you think you were angry or unheard? Unheard. Yeah. Of course, on definitely unheard, basically. Yeah, so. that's a, that's that's the that's the whole crux. The whole it. purpose, yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm not sure. I totally understand. Uh, this is from Dana. She said, "Any updates on home being the least restrictive environment?" So I guess I and and you can correct me, Dana, if I'm misunderstanding this, or Jennifer, you have other insights. Uh, I'm just wondering if kind of the question is about you know, in your case, you you ended up doing the homeschooling. Um, because that seemed to be the only environment that they had for you. Um, but certainly, you know, in, in the legal sense of, of this, you know, the system should be trying to get you in what they call the least restrictive environment. So, yeah. um, but then it doesn't sound like they did a very good job of doing that, but certainly home has been a, has it been a, a good environment for you? Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it, it sounds, sounds like accommodations weren't available that's for right. you to make yeah. the class work yeah that's right that's right so that's i mean that's something we have to work on is to make sure that everybody is appropriately accommodated which is the yep. law yep. Yeah. yep yep absolutely so uh alex is there anything else that you want to you know that we you know we've covered a lot of questions uh today but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share or uh, any any closing thoughts for us as we begin to uh wind things up here no I, that, that's pretty much it so okay that's great yeah i mean and, and i i thank you for being so courageous and being willing to to share this experience because again you know, i recognize what you went through was not easy but you know knowing that you know knowing that this that what you went through has the ability to influence change and and you know you 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 coming to that conclusion that like i want to change this this is not okay right uh, i have so much admiration for you and and you know it it's Thank just you. been an honor to get to get to know you and, and share, you know, um, share with the, the audience here your story and, and all that you've been doing. Jennifer, do you have any uh, closing comments or questions? Virginia, you have to come visit me. Well, of course, I will. Nothing, on the way. profound to say. That's it's just on the it. way. <laughs> on Route 11, it's on the way. When you guys drive through Virginia, you've got to yep. hang, swing by. I'm going to make you a <laughs> <laughs> Make me a meal. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's sorry. She, she, she froze on that. She froze on that, Sam. So you can make that frozen word anything you want that, you know, she make promised to make you a plan. Yes. There you go. Um, so anyway, you know, uh, Sam, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, Jennifer, uh, great to, great to have you here on, on today as well with us. And, uh, I hope everybody, um, you know, learn something from this and, you know, encourage people, um, you know, these, these events that we've been doing, I encourage you to share them, 
um, because we really need to raise awareness and we really need to, uh, you know, really need to um, encourage change. And, you know, again, there's some positive signs of, of people coming together to work towards change. Uh, we've got to keep this work up and uh, do what we can to make a difference. So uh, I'm going to, Alex and Jennifer, I'm gonna, or excuse me, uh, Sam and Jennifer, I'm going to um, drop you both off here into the okay. studio. Uh, but thank you again. And I've got a couple quick announcements and uh, uh, then we will wrap things up. So again, just want to thank everybody for joining us today. Um, you know, hope this has been, um, you know, informative. Um, you know, I think anytime we can can hear the story from someone that's been through something like this, um, you know, it's really meaningful. And, you know, I just so much appreciate uh, Sam's courage in, in doing this and, um, you know, hope that, uh, you know, hope that it's provided some thought, you know, for everyone here with this, that we can do better. And if we can do better, we, we have to do better for, for, you know, kids like Sam and others uh, that are right now going through these situations. Uh, I want to mention that we will have again in another two weeks, I think it's the 30th, but um, I'm not looking at my calendar. We have another event coming up and I'll be sharing details about that soon. Uh, and again, this will be available on Facebook and YouTube after the broadcast, as well as an audio podcast. I encourage you to uh, visit our website, which is endseclusion.org. Uh, and please be part of our community. So thank you everybody for joining us today and we will see you.